Go. Streaming from South Africa to the world. To the world. This is the Stonks Go Moon podcast. What just happened? We break it down so you don't have to. Welcome everyone to the Stonks Go Moon podcast. My guest today, the first returning guest, might I say, Simon Ree. He is the founder of the Tower of Trading, wizard, friend of the show. Simon, how are you? Really well, Rocco. Thanks for having me back on. It's only a pleasure. Simon, if you go onto Reddit or Discord or some of these sites, especially the people that start out trading, right? You'll... The first FOMC meeting is always like you get people shouting, what is FOMC? Is it like FOMO? Um, you know, it's, it's not really, it's not as, as uh, memeable as, let's say, Diamond Hands or something like that. So I thought let's right. start by giving people an introduction. And when I say us, or me, or me I mean you. Uh, what is the FM, FOMC and what exactly is its functionality. Sure. So the FOMC is a division of the Federal Reserve Bank of the US, which is the United States Central Bank. So the Fed, as it's abbreviated, has, got, has historically had a dual mandate of price stability and maximum sustainable employment. So when it comes to price stability, they've got an explicit 2% inflation target. Uh, maximum sustainable employment is obviously a bit of a moving target. But one of the tools they use to achieve those two outcomes is monetary policy. And monetary policy is what is handled by the FOMC, the Federal Open Markets Committee. So it's one of the divisions of the Fed, and it's the division that facilitates monetary policy. So they set short-term interest rates. They set the price of money that banks can access funds at and that banks can lend money to each other at. And they do other things as well. You know, they, they, they're responsible for, um, you know, steering the US payment system and fostering safety of payments, settlement system and that sort of thing. But uh, when we talk about FOMC meetings, it's all about um, how, how they're going to implement monetary policy and, you know, particularly of, of interest is, is any changes to monetary policy in the future. So, I think, thank you. I think that explains it very well, especially now because I think the first question comes after the FOMC meeting, uh, because mm-hmm. you get this reaction post the meeting. Yeah. Then maybe novice traders had a position, uh, it changed violently, and now they're sort of scurrying about and saying, okay, well, what happened? And with this last meeting, uh, there was a big knee-jerk reaction, especially in the gold market. Gold hasn't come back to previous levels indices recovered well. Would you care to unpack um, that meeting for us a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. So what happened on Wednesday last week, 16th of June, Jerome Powell, who's chairman of the Fed, he, he sent the market what was perceived as a bit of a bit of a hawkish surprise. I mean, it, it wasn't a huge deal, really. Um, but what happened was the Fed acknowledged inflation, which, which they kind of hadn't the previous two meetings, even though inflationary pressures had been building. So what happened in the markets, if you, if you dial back to sort of August or September, mm-hmm. um, tech started to lag. Now, tech has been leading the market, you know, since 2008 or 2009. It started to lag 
so the third quarter of last year and end of the third quarter. And what really took off were so-called reflation plays, industrials, banks, commodities, ags, those types of things. Things that are perceived, either companies that are expected to do well in a reflationary environment or things like commodities that are expected to act as a hedge against inflation. Quickly, for those that are not familiar with the term reflation, uh, what would that be in layman's terms? So reflation is economic policy. Uh, It's both fiscal and monetary policy that is aimed essentially at avoiding deflation. Uh So if you you look at what's happened since since the global financial crisis in 08-09, we have had persistently low inflation in the US and, and most developed economies and the constant specter of deflation. And so a reflationary policy, it's, it's government spending, it's deficit spending, it's free money, you know, uh, zero interest rate policy, um, all things that are aimed at. <laughs> but, but it's policy that's aimed at either increasing economic activity and, and disincentivizing saving. They want people to spend money. You look at the US economy, 70% of GDP approximately is consumption. And if people are just hoarding money, uh, it doesn't do the economy any favors at all. Okay. So the Fed's been walking a bit of a tightrope with regard to bond yields. Okay, You're aware that the Fed is currently purchasing $120 mm-hmm. billion worth of assets a month. Mm-hmm. And the Fed needs to keep bond yields low. All right? They need bond yields low so that the US Treasury and everyone else all right, can, can fund their debt load. Let interest rates get too high and all of a sudden people start calling into question the solvency of all sorts of entities uh, that have got carrying high debt loads. But the Fed can't afford to have bond yields fall too low because then people get scared of deflation again and, and they don't believe the reflation story. They don't believe these reflationary policies of fiscal and monetary policy are working. So with the Fed acknowledging inflation and acknowledging, I guess, economic recovery, couple of things happened. First of all, you've got every, every man and his dog and his mother-in-law piled into the <laughs> reflation trade in the last six months. And if you, if you cast your mind back to May, this is when all of the so-called experts were screaming from the rooftops, you know, hyperinflation is coming. You've got to buy gold. You've got to buy eggs. You've got to buy reflation stocks. Yes. And, and when everybody is screaming that from the rooftops, you know that the trade is coming perilously close to the end. And, and that's exactly what happened. So it's a classic case of buy the rumor, sell the news. Yes. Uh, the Fed acknowledged inflation, and all of a sudden, the inflation trade kind of stops, or people sell the news, that they, they take profit on it. Um, the other thing that happened is bonds rallied, okay, which means bond yields fell. Now, bond you think about the 10-year bond yield. It's a function of how people perceive future economic growth and or real inflation rates. So if bond yields fall... That means the market is pricing in lower bond yields, oh, sorry, lower, lower inflation and or lower economic growth. Why would they be doing that when the Fed is kind of keying people up for higher rates? Mm-hmm. So, so what the Fed did was they said, you know, previously the market had been expecting one rate rise in 2024. Yes. Um, Powell mm-hmm. said, you know, we, we think we're going to raise twice in 2023. So he's brought forward the perspective of rate rises and he's also perhaps increased the frequency of them. Now, rate rises are bad for inflation, okay, mm. and, and generally considered to be bad for economic growth. So the bond market started pricing that in. Now, yes. part of the reason why back in September we saw 
tech, well, we saw a big switch out of tech, right? High beta tech stocks got dumped yeah. and, and even stocks like Apple and Amazon became laggards. What happens is, cast your mind back to 2009, the economic recovery has been very lackluster. You know, the US economy has been growing at kind of 2%, 2 point something percent for the last decade, which is well below trend. So in that sort of an environment, you don't really, you're not clamoring to own stocks whose earnings are a function of GDP growth. You, th you think about railroads or, or a company like FedEx, for example, or yeah. stocks that really require increasing economic growth to increase their earnings. What you want to earn is stocks that can grow their earnings because they're in a secular growth industry. You think of Google, right? The explosion in search and online advertising. Same with yeah. Facebook, online advertising. Um, you know, they, they've been major beneficiaries. Look at Shopify, you know, with the yes. explosion in e-commerce. These are companies that have grown their earnings regardless of what the real economy is doing. But the share price performance of these companies has been so impressive that they started trading at what could be considered, you know, expensive valuations. Yeah. So the market starts saying, well, if we're going to go through a period of stronger economic growth and higher inflation, why do I need to own these really expensive tech com companies when I can buy a really cheap bank or a really cheap railroad? And that's why we saw the massive outperformance of cyclical companies and, and so-called value companies and banks as uh, bond yields increased and, and the yield curve steepened um now with the fed essentially, sorry essentially what you're saying to me is that the market participants need to believe or the narrative that the fed preaches in order for you know uh, because it's 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 like a belief system if, if i can put it like that oh absolutely i mean 90% of what the Fed does is, is a confidence trick, okay? Quantitative easing. There, there is no mechanism by which the, the printed money yes. from the Fed goes into the stock market, okay? It, it, it's, 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 it's all about confidence. If enough people believe exactly. that narrative, then it happens. And, and the is undeniable, right? You, you look at the yeah. Fed balance sheet and the correlation with the S&P 500, I mean, it's, it's, it's undeniable, yeah. despite a transmission mechanism. So, or a lack, a lack of transition mechanism. <laughs> in your previous um, appearance on the show, um, you mentioned the T word, uh, of course, tapering. And I think that's become um, sort of a fear uh, of many markets, um, people that speculate, um, analysts. Um, and in, the, in that meeting, Paul, really, he didn't use the T word, right? No, uh, that's right. It so, and we had a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. So with that in mind, um, has your market view changed at all? Um, and if so, why? And also vice versa, if not, then why? Uh, my market view hasn't really changed. I, I still think that um, the market is set up to make higher highs. I, I think it, we're still in a buy-the-dip sort of an environment. And I think in, until the Fed tells us they're not buying $120 billion worth of bonds every month, um, dips should be bought. Now, when the Fed does come out and say something along those lines, because that is a real withdrawal of liquidity, that is yes. when we need to be very, very careful. Um, but until and unless that happens, I, I think we, you know, we, we're in a buy-the-dip environment. Uh, the, the one thing that is at the back of my mind is if that happens and there is a lot of leverage in the market, the market's over-leveraged, that mm -hmm. reaction could be, could possibly be very violent. It could be incredibly swift, yeah. 
would you say what if if I can put you on the spot, what is the time horizon that we are looking at here, given maybe in quarters? I would think, well, you mean in terms of a change in policy and a potential yes. peak in the yes. market? Yes. I would think uh, three to four quarters at the outside. Well, guys, there you have it. Three to four quarters. Yes, uh, <laughs> to the ground. Uh, and it could... It, <laughs> It, it could happen sooner. I mean, if uh, yeah, you know the no, economy continues to rip higher and inflation concerns become re-agitated, it, it could happen sooner than that. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. If uh, people want to connect with you, um, where can they do so? And also, uh, what else are you busy with? So uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, more, more than happy to um, share share my thoughts on LinkedIn, which are, yeah, my thoughts aren't always popular, but I share them anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, my website, uh, towertrading.com, that's T-A-O-O-F-T-R-A-D-I-N-G.com. Mm-hmm. Um, you can join my mailing list, get a free ebook, and uh, and follow what I'm doing there as well. Um, I, I trade for a living, and I teach people how to trade. S- similar to what you do, I guess, Rocco. Thank you so much, Simon. You're doing something interesting with Mark Ross. You care to uh, elaborate a bit about that? So, yeah, Mark Ross and I have uh, put together, put out, heads together and we've started up a you know a website called absolute fintech um we've both got a passion for finance i'm, I'm sort of more on the you know the finance trading side of things yes. mark is more on the finance and, and technical and coding side of things yes um so we've got different yet complementary skill sets and we're providing free master classes every sunday at 9 30 a.m new york time um, to help people who are interested in learning more about the markets, more about finance, more about uh, how to get into the finance industry, how to succeed in the finance industry, those types of topics. I think that's worth the shout out and we'll put the link in the comments as well. Simon, I think we should have you on as a guest speaker soon. <laughs> okay. Definitely. Definitely. To our, our listeners, peace, love and prosperity. We'll catch you in the next one.